0: Good evening. For those of you who have not had the pleasure of meeting my name is Sarah Slater, and um, I've been blessed to be part of this church family now for the last 20 years, which is making me feel a little bit ancient, but very, very blessed. Uh, let me just pray before we start. Oh, loving Lord, I pray you would give us ears to hear your voice tonight. I pray that you would give us hearts to respond to your call. And I pray that you would give us eyes to follow wherever you lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the American singer Bill Withers was born and raised in rural West Virginia, within a very poor family, but a loving community. In 1972, he made the move to Los Angeles, about which he commented, you could die on the side of the freeway and it would be eight days before anybody noticed you were dead. In contrast, Bill described his hometown as a place where people were a little more attentive to each other. And Living in LA, he found that he missed that strong community ethic and while he was reflecting on this, it prompted him to write a song that was to become a global hit the chorus of which was this. Thank you. Aren't we just so blessed to have musicians who go, Can you just sing this for me as part of my sermon? And that's what they do. Praise God. Thank you both. Now, at a very simple level, I like to view this song as a circle of encouragement. Because what Bill was saying is, I'm here for you, and you're here for me, and together we're going to build each other up. And that is basically what is going on in our passage tonight. If you have a look, there's a lot of leaning going on. Timothy is heading to Philippi to provide some pastoral support to them. There's a a church there with a bit of headwind going on, really. Paul is leaning on Epaphroditus because he's come to Rome on behalf of the church in Philippi with money and supplies and just to support Paul while he's in prison. And Epaphroditus is shortly to lean on the Philippian community as he goes back Following this life threatening illness. Now, it would be very easy for us to pass by this little passage in Philippians as nothing more than the sort of travel details of a couple of Paul's companions, especially as it's within this rich letter, just following the epicenter of the letter, Paul's description of Christ's humility. But yet, if we believe that all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, correcting, and training in righteousness, then these 11 verses have got a lot to speak to us about tonight. Now, as we've journeyed through the book of Philippians, and indeed over the past 18 months, we have been reflecting for ourselves on what it means to be a loving community, recognizing that we don't do this in isolation, but within our own circles of encouragement. And in our first sermon on Philippians 1, way back when, Patrick introduced us to a Greek word, koinonia. Now, there was a very learned gentleman at the 1115 this morning who taught me how to pronounce it properly, but unfortunately it sounds a little bit too much like quinoa, and I started thinking of salads. So you'll have to make do with koinonia, if that's all right, because I can say that consistently. But Paul used this word koinonia when talking about this partnership in the gospel he had with the church in Philippi. It means that deep communion and fellowship we share when we lean on God and lean on each other to grow in love and faith. Now, Koinonia has been in the news this week in the US. It was the final and winning word in the National Spelling Bee Championships and brought victory for 14-year-old Karthik Namani over 500 other contestants. Karthik said as soon as he heard the word, he knew exactly how to spell it. Now, I have typed it a few times this week, so I'm getting there on the spelling. But I think we all know koinonia when we experience it. Bill Withers said he experienced it in the attentiveness of others. And I know I have experienced it and been carried many, many times by people within this church family who have carried me through good times and bad Even as I look out tonight, I have people who I've been in home groups with, people I've had shared fun and holidays and fellowship with, people I've laughed with, and people I've cried with. So koinonia is a rich blessing to Christians, but it is also deeply attractive to those who don't yet know the Lord. As a cross-generational, welcoming, loving, and accepting support network, it's pretty unique in the world and people are hungry for it. Now, in our passage tonight, Paul is using Timothy and Epaphroditus as living embodiments of the example of Jesus, and as real examples of this koinonia. He shows us about his Christian relationships, and he's teaching us about our relationship with God and with each other. And specifically, Timothy and Epaphroditus are godly examples of friendship in Christ and partnership in the gospel. And we're going to explore that now. So let's start with Timothy and his example of friendship in Christ. Now, we first meet him in Acts chapter 16. Paul had come across Timothy on his first missionary journey. And when Timothy's Christian community spoke so well of him, Paul invited him to join him to support his work in furthering the gospel. And what we see from Acts 17 onwards with Paul and Timothy is this bit of a rhythm, really, of separating and reconnecting. So what you see is Paul will leave Timothy in a city where he's just started a new church and Timothy can keep encouraging it. Or, in the case of Philippi, Paul sends Timothy back somewhere to provide further support in pastoral or spiritual issues. You can imagine that in our time, these two would have had like a WhatsApp chat group, a snapjack streak, some other sort of social media dialogue to keep them up to speed on what was going on. But under Paul's tutelage, uh, Timothy became a troubleshooter, an advisor, and an encourager within the early church. But what is more important is what he became to Paul himself, his most trusted friend, a young man whom he called almost like a son, someone from whom Paul gained strength, encouragement and comfort and actually could only be as effective in his ministry as he was because of that relationship. And in this little description of Timothy, we see him as a friend in Christ with character and compassion. In verse 20, Paul describes the uniqueness of Timothy in his life. There is no one else like him, he says. And the word used in Greek takes it even further. These are like kindred spirits, completely like minded. And what's Timothy most concerned about? It's the welfare of others. And in describing Timothy, there are lots of echoes back to Philippians 2 and that call to be like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, valuing others above yourselves. Paul is saying to the church in Philippi, if you want to live how I've encouraged you, if you want to make my joy complete, look to Timothy. If you want to have the same attitude as Christ and wonder how on earth it's humanly possible, look to Timothy. Timothy means so much to Paul because they share the same deep passion for serving Christ and serving others. And we also teach Timothy as a friend with maturity of faith and rolled up sleeves. Verse 22 says that Timothy has proved himself and served with me in the work of the gospel. So not only are their thoughts aligned, but their actions are too. Now, I don't think this word, prove, is about Timothy having to meet a certain sort of entry-level standard in order to be able to work alongside Paul. No, what it means is, while Paul has worked with Timothy, God has been at work in Timothy too, refining his character, transforming him from the inside out so that he truly just walks the talk. So this was an extremely rich and mutually beneficial relationship. Timothy enabled Paul to reach more cities and plant more churches. And Paul enabled Timothy to grow in confidence, character, and to keep fighting the good fight of the faith. They needed each other to lean on in their service of Christ. And just as Paul needed close Christian friendships in order to be sustained in his ministry, so did Jesus. Now we know that Jesus' primary task with the 12 disciples was to develop and equip them to continue his earthly ministry, but we also know that they provided him with much needed friendship and support. It was another circle of encouragement. And if Jesus needed close Christian friendships to be sustained in his ministry, then we must need them too in order to be encouraged in our walk and in our service. So as we reflect on this friendship between Paul and Timothy, let's just pause and consider our own circles of encouragement. So firstly, when we look back over our walk with the Lord... Who comes to mind as having been pivotal in supporting us and being a friend in Christ? That might be one person in particular who stands out. That might be different people at different phases of our lives. Mentors, prayer partners, at pastors, friends. Paul takes time in this letter to publicly thank timothy for all that he means to him and i wonder do those timothys in our lives know just how much we have appreciated their friendship in christ i suspect timothy felt so blessed by paul it didn't even occur to him how much he had been a blessing back i'm going to dare to suggest that we do something this week that we pick up good old-fashioned pen and paper and perhaps write just one letter to someone who has encouraged us in our walk of faith. Don't you think that would be just an awesome encouragement? I've got two letters here that I've written that I am posting tomorrow morning. One of those is to somebody who has always provided encouragement and inspiration to me. And one of them is somebody who helped me in a particularly difficult period, which I remember deeply. So, can we pick up pen and paper? And I do mean pen and paper. I don't mean text, email, message. I really, really do mean pen and paper. There's something nice about in the card, in the post. Call me old fashioned. Secondly, who can we be a friend in Christ to? Because we may not always feel it, but we all have something to give that can be a real encouragement to somebody else. Be that time, practical or emotional support, wisdom, love, attentiveness. Like Timothy, it means showing that compassion, rolling our sleeves up and getting alongside someone for whom our friendship could take them a step deeper in their faith. Because when life is busy, it is just so easy to focus only on our own worlds and not to see what's going on anywhere else. But we need to lean on Christ to give us eyes to see what is happening around us and be more attentive to the needs of others. Perhaps for some of you, this whole idea of friendship in Christ feels like a huge step because maybe friendship in the past has broken trust, has been hurtful, has been one-sided. And as a result, you want to hold back from from understanding what Christian friendship can really be like. Can I just encourage you tonight to allow God through His Holy Spirit to minister, to bring peace and healing, to open the door to deeper Christian relationships? Because we all need someone to lean on. I had a little giggle at God on Thursday. Um, So I'd finished the first full draft of this sermon by Thursday lunchtime, which, trust me, given Thursday lunchtime, Sunday seems a long time away. This was good news. Uh, So I sort of shut down the laptop and thought, right, it's time for lunch. I'll just nip and see what post has come through the door. I heard the postman come uh, just before lunch. Usual pile of junk, of course. uh, But buried within the junk was a card. Completely unexpected. It was a card from my oldest friend of 40 years who I met at Brownies. And um, she became a Christian in her 30s. And um, she was writing to thank me for 40 years of friendship and celebrating our shared faith. And she wrote this God's work is truly flourishing in our friendship as love, support, care, and encouragement all come together. I was blown away by her and by God's timing. So, as with Paul and Timothy, God really does work through our friendships in Christ. Let's move to Epaphroditus now and look at his example of partnership in the gospel. Now, Epaphroditus was a leader of the church in Philippi, and he'd been sent to Paul as their messenger with finances and resources to support Paul during his imprisonment in Rome. At the time of writing, Paul is about to send Epaphroditus back to Philippi. The Philippians are concerned for him because of this life-threatening illness, I get the feeling also they're perhaps a little bit miffed with him. He's had to curtail his trip. Has he not really fulfilled the role that they had asked him to play? Do you know, though, Paul understands this as we read in verse 29. He says, welcome him with great joy and honour people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. Now, we don't exactly know what was the cause of Epaphroditus' illness, but let's be clear. Getting from Philippi to Rome was not like taking the K3 to Kingston. This was an 800-mile journey, which would have been physically exhausting and fraught with risk. But look at how Paul describes Epaphroditus. He describes him as a brother, a co-worker, and a fellow soldier. There's a real equality about those words. And what is it that unites them, that equals them? It's being messengers. Now, Paul might have been delivering the gospel, boldly preaching, converting thousands, setting up churches, whilst Epaphroditus is delivering money and resources. But it didn't matter. What they were both doing was partnering in the gospel And again, it's another circle of encouragement. Paul was greatly encouraged by the presence of Aphrodite in prison and delighted to hear of the church in Philippi. And Epaphroditus returned to Philippi with this very letter to encourage the church there. So as we reflect on this relationship between Paul and Epaphroditus, I wonder how we can be partners in the gospel. Because as we all have something to offer someone else, so we all have things to offer as work for Christ. And as we look within this Christian community, that might be using a gift or a skill, hospitality, offering a lift, sharing a verse of scripture with someone, sharing our lives with somebody who's going through a similar experience. But as we look beyond the Christian community... Partnering in the gospel will inevitably involve taking risks, as it did for Epaphroditus. Because we are not in koinonia just to be encouraged ourselves, but to draw others into a relationship with Jesus. And we will need to step out of our comfort zone, speak boldly of our faith, make invitations, pray big prayers, if our friends and family, colleagues and neighbours are to come to know Jesus. Stephen and Jerry Valter have given me uh, permission to share a wonderful example of how they have stepped out and invited people to experience this attractiveness of a loving Christian community. This year, they decided to host a series of suppers called Food Fellowship Friends Fridays, the four Fs. They simply open up their home and provide a simple supper. And they say 25 people can come. They advertise it on Facebook to their hugely diverse group of friends, and then they let God bring the people together. People have been blown away by this simple but generous act of hospitality. And God has indeed brought diverse groups of people together to experience fellowship. I wonder what stepping out might look like for us. Paul saw Epaphroditus as his equal partner in the gospel. And so are we. It is so easy to doubt our mission or worth because we feel less equipped than others, less gifted, less holy even. But that's simply not true. If you love Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit in you, and that's all you need to serve him and introduce him to others. He will do the rest. During the recent uh, global initiative, Lie Kingdom Come, a prayer initiative, stepped up to the challenge to pray for five people every day for 10 days. Within those 10 days, two people made a real step forward in faith. I can't explain it. The spirit was at work in two people in 10 days. And I thought, okay, wow, I need to keep going. I don't just go, right, well, 10 days are done now. That was it. I need to keep praying. We all need to keep praying And I just wonder again, when you've got your pen and paper out, is there one person you can be praying for every day to come a step closer to faith? Let God do the rest. Just place him in their hands. Perhaps you're still exploring Jesus, but but like this experience of Christian community, please know how welcome you are and keep exploring. We'd love to get alongside you and help you get to know him better. Paul included these heartfelt words about Timothy and Epaphroditus as real-life examples of godly living and to share how much he had been encouraged by their friendship and partnership. And I want to finish by just encouraging us all with some real-life examples from here at HTC. Over the May half term, 40 people of all ages went to the Jonas Centre. Anybody here who went to the Jonas Centre? No, they were all at the 9.30, literally all at the 9.30, wow. Um, So they went to visit the Jonas Centre in Yorkshire, that's a mission partner we've had for 16 years now, and uh, they went basically to live and serve together in what I can best describe as sort of DIY SOS style, um, to do lots of practical jobs within a short period of time to get the centre ready for the summer season. It was hard work, it was fun, but above all, it was a circle of encouragement. I think what a wonderful picture of koinonia that was, where people serve and feel blessed, use their gifts within a community of like-minded people, feel free to be themselves, trust in Jesus, and grow in faith. And Simon's words showed not only did he appreciate the practical help, but it was a massive boost and an encouragement for him. Because we all need someone to lean on. God didn't design us to operate in isolation, but to be in relationship with him and with each other. And we go through seasons of life where we can support others, and then there are those seasons where we need the support of others. But in every season, we flourish best when we are in koinonia, supported and encouraged by friends in Christ as we partner in the gospel let's give thanks for those friends who have been or continue to be such a support and encouragement to us in our walk with the Lord. Let's be a little more attentive to each other, looking out for opportunities to be a friend to someone else. Let's be confident in our status as equal partners in the gospel and step out and serve in new ways to enable others to experience the attractiveness of koinonia and start their own journey towards a relationship with Jesus. And let's give and receive in more and more circles of encouragement to the glory of God. Amen.